Jason Porter. Uh, this is uh, my name is Chad Hassan. This is a Sea of Reds live slash podcast. Um, so so we'll have the podcast tomorrow morning. This is our live version where anything goes. Uh, Jason, I just wanted to uh, check check in with you. Uh, Saturday, did you where did you watch the game and uh, what were your feelings? Did you make it to the end and what was your heart rate? Yeah. Well, in full disclosure, my uh, my other alma mater was over in Raleigh at NC State, Texas Tech. So I was uh, across the state watching uh, the Red Raiders play, but keeping a very close eye on the Flames. And man, couldn't believe how that one came down to the last uh, last uh, last play. And again, I you know we we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Hell, two halves again. It was just incredible, Chad, watching the adjustments that went on at halftime and the fire and fury that the guys came out with in the second half was just uh, really impressive. His stats here. So let's just what stands out to me most is Demario with two TDs, 124 yards, but Day Day Hunter, <clears throat> 17 carries, 89 yards and a touchdown. Man, that guy is scrappy. He he like rolls yep. forward every play, even after he's down, he rolls forward an extra few yards. He looked great. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention about this game is the uh, the crowd. It was unbelievable, and I'm going to ask Brendan about that here in a minute because I didn't get to go down to Wake. I had had something come up and had to stay home, And uh, but the crowd looked amazing on TV. All the, the videos I saw, um, our crowd looked just as loud and into it as the entire Wake Forest game, which, by the way, I believe they, it was a sellout. I know it was a sellout. They announced it was a sellout mm, yep. for them. Uh, they still have a thousand tickets left for a Clemson game this weekend. So if wow. Liberty's selling out and Clemson is not, I don't know if Clemson is <laughs> at Wake. I got to figure that out. Uh, maybe they're talking about a thousand of their allotment down at Clemson. I don't know, but either way, our crowd and Day Day were the two uh, highlights for me. Let's just talk about the two point conversion really quick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a road dog, especially a double digit road dog like we were, we were, de- we were a 16 point underdog, right? Uh, you know, against a top whatever team, 20 team on the road, you got you got to go, got to go for it. And that same play, Jason, is the same play that we beat. Uh, who was it? Um, shoot, it just slipped my mind a couple years yep. ago. 
Troy. Yep. We beat Troy, Troy yep. with there a two-point yep. conversion. It was the same exact play except for we hit option two, not just the option first option pass. And right. Man, I'll tell you, so the first thing I did, first thing I did, I saw him kind of open. I went and started searching Twitter for highlights, and I found it, and option two was open. Right. Uh, so the play call was good. The 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 de- the decision to go, in my opinion, was the right one. Yeah. Just didn't execute it well. And you know what? Some of that's on. <clears throat> some of that is on just the pressure of the moment. You're putting the ball in CJ Yarbrough's hands, a wide receiver who doesn't have the ball in his hands all that much in practice right. and games and game games on the look, man, uh, 95% of us would panic and try to just get the score ourselves in the same yeah. way he did. So right. no fault, no fault going to anyone in that one. Uh, what I'm, what I'm highlighting is day day played amazing and he yeah. just looks like a great running back. And then our fans were incredible down there. I was, I was really proud to see that and uh, excited to see Absolutely. that. So, uh, what, what is your take, Jason? Uh, anything additional? Yeah, I think that'll carry over for sure. You know, I mean, the the old analogy that there is no uh, the is no moral victory, but man, at the end of the day, you you take an awful lot of stock and put an awful lot of stock in a lot of the successes that went on on Saturday, and we've been talking about it with Brendan from the jump of the season. There's just a, there's a great fight in this uh, in this squad, and I think that was another example of that. And for them to be able to come out and uh, know that they were uh, on the road, obviously, but also an underdog, and to just keep coming out and battling was just really, really telltale about this, about the uh, about the tenacity of the squad. So uh, next game is Saturday versus Akron at six o'clock. That's about all the housekeeping. We have Kyle DeArmond, Brennan Schlitler, John Manson's going to join us later. We have uh, we barely snuck in the Liberty Line tonight. It's going to be here at the end. Uh, it's a recorded. But without further ado, let's uh, let's get our main man Brendan in here. Brendan, how's it going, man? How we doing, guys? Big dog. Good, doing good. Um, just wanted to uh, jump right in here and and get your thoughts on what we just said. First of all, day day. Uh, looked like he had a great game. Uh, is he always running like that with that tenacity and just scrappiness? That looked like his style to me um, that night. And then, and then the crowd, uh, the Flames Nation that drove down there. Uh, to me, on TV, uh, I don't know if it's just the angle uh, or the videos I was getting, but it looked like they really showed out. And not only did they show up, they were loud and into the game. So I was really proud of that as a fan. Tell, tell me your thoughts as a player on those two things. Yeah, Dede is a heck of a running back. Uh, since he got here, he's been running like that. So we've seen that in practice and uh, at times during the game. So for him to do what he did was awesome. Um, I'm glad he went and got that one touchdown. He ran the heck out of the rock. Um, yeah, he hits his style. He just scraps and scraps and scraps and finds the dirty yards, which is what you need. You have to ultimately get first downs and convert the chains. And when you got a running back like that who will – find an extra yard here or there, it makes a big difference. So um, as far as him, we talked in our meeting. Um, we as an O-line are going to try to get Day-Day to get 1,000 yards this year. We believe he fully can do that. So um, going forward, we need to get him some uh, some bigger holes. But he's a heck of a back. And then as far as the fans, that was awesome. It, it uh, Parts of it felt like a home game at times. I know they said they sold out, and you mentioned it. Um, but our fans did an incredible job when it was third down for them. I mean, they were loud as the home, the home team was when we were on the field for third down. So 
Um, they did a heck of a job, traveled well. Everyone seemed to have had a good time that went. And uh, I'm just thankful for that many people that spent their time and money to come support us. Yeah, Brendan, we were talking uh, amongst some buddies of mine, too, just about, uh, again, just the amount of fight in you guys. I think it uh, can't, can't be overlooked as far as that. Cause take us behind the scenes real quick. I spent a had a lot of years in the uh, in the postgame locker room, and uh, it's obviously a lot of fun when you're in jumping around. But, man, when it comes down to the last play like this one did Saturday night, um, what was the mood in the locker room? Uh, equally important, just what did you guys talk about kind of afterwards? What did Coach Reed say after that game, uh, after you guys literally went down absolutely swinging? Yeah, I started with Coach. Uh, he just told us he was proud of us, proud of our fight, um, said he loved our group and he loved coaching us, and, Obviously, that there's stuff to clean up and stuff we could have done that made sure we were having a celebratory locker room. Um, you know, kept it short and sweet to the point. But the mood in the locker room was just, uh, we just told each other we loved each other and, you know, there's work to be done. It wasn't really mopey and upset. And obviously, you're not happy you, you lost, but you know, you're going to war with guys that are going to fight and go down swinging. So um, it's a great feeling to have guys like that. And there's definitely a difference in this locker room after a loss in previous years. So that was kind of taking the positive out of the negative. That was exciting to see. I think we're going to bounce back strong this week. Yeah, speaking of coming to town, uh, Coach Freeze talked a lot about it. Just like, you know, winning FBS football games is not easy. And it doesn't matter who your opponent is. I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a player. I'm not, I don't put on the helmet. I don't get between the lines as in it's very easy for me to slip into the, Oh, you know, uh, we just got Akron coming to town. No big deal. As a player, I, you've talked about this a lot on with us over the, over the last year and a half. How, how do you get into that mind frame of if we don't if we don't, uh, handle our business, we're going to be embarrassed at home this Saturday. And that's kind of how freeze approaches this thing. And, and uh, get you guys ready. But as a player, how do you mentally approach getting yourself ready? Because as fans, we can't do it. We can't. I, I've, I mean, I've tried, but I'm already looking. I'm already looking to BYU in October. Don't don't follow my lead. And I'm sorry, Come coach, for watching this. But <laughs> but what's what's the play here as a player? How do you get mentally prepared? What is it for you specifically? You're like, all right, I have to do this, and I have to look at it this way, or I'm going to come out flat. Yeah, sure. So our leadership and our coaches and everyone involved, uh, we preach that it's the process, not the product that matters. So it's coming to work every single day and fixing the things that we got to fix and growing in areas we got to grow that matters. And ultimately doing that will lead to the results that we like. If we just focus on the outcome and who we're playing, there's going to be times that we're let down. So going in a week like this, I know I have things I can fix and improve on and, you know, fine tune techniques and gain chemistry with guys next to me, and that's going to pay off down the road. So I look forward to fixing stuff, and I know everyone else looks forward to just being ourselves and being the best we can be and focusing just on us. Um, there's always ways to improve, and I think this week will provide you know an opportunity to show that. Brennan, I think the stat line is always interesting to see how you guys as players read the stats versus how us civilians out here doing regular nine to five life do. But as you look back on the stat line uh, for Wake and put this thing in the rearview mirror pretty quick, but what kind of things stat wise jumped out to you? I mean, there's, there's some really obvious ones like time of possession and conversion on fourth downs and 
uh, even the first downs. When you put those side by side with what uh, with how it stacked up against Wake, man, there was there was some some seriously strong moments to hang your helmet on for sure. But what kind of things now a couple of days afterwards have you seen that you guys were really proud of? I think we're super proud of uh, the second half box score. A lot of teams fold being down. You know, you go down to a top twenty team, you can easily say. Oh, they're just going to do to us what they do to everyone else. Let's just, you know, take it. But our team said, we're not taking it, and we're going to see what we can do with this. So um, second half box score was big. Uh, again, Day-Day was over five yards of carry. We always want four-plus, so that was awesome. Um, Caden did a heck of a job throwing the ball, finding, you know, guys open, making big plays on a stretch. So I know he threw for 200-plus. That was big. Um, but we do want to cut down on the turnovers. That was a big thing. So um, that's kind of why we won the first two games because the defense had nine turnovers. But um, that's something we got to cut down ourselves. So um, part of that, the part I can do for that is, you know, as an O-line, we can improve protection, you know, make changes to that, and also chase the ball carriers. So the balls that are on the ground, we're near it. So that's a, it's a big point for us because you see across the nation, there's a game saved because an offensive lineman can run down the field, you know, behind the running back and get the ball when he fumbles. So those are the things the offensive line can do. So, Yeah, you never really think about that. And it is always one of my favorite parts of the game whenever offensive linemen pick up a fumble and, and, and run. So if you get that opportunity this year and you, you get any rushing yards to your name, I want you to point straight at the main TV camera <laughs> To, and and let us know that you're thinking about us in that moment. That would be awesome. So um, before before we get to the last question here for me is just wanted to mention that RT Rogers, that is Greg Rogers and company down there in Hinton, West Virginia, delivering all this fuel all over these crazy mountains in West Virginia. I uh, really appreciate him sponsoring this. And uh, he's a big fan of Brendan. He texts me every week and says, watch the segment. Love Brendan. Love what you guys are doing. And uh, he's just kind of supporting us in that way and uh, helping, you know, uh, through an NIL deal. And Brendan has the hat on. It's uh, really cool stuff. And uh, just glad he can be involved. He is a Liberty alumni. So I don't know how many of you watching or listening live in West Virginia or the six states that they serve. But uh, hit up our guy, R.T. Rogers, and just know that he's a he's a good guy. He's going to come on the 15th, Brendan. I haven't told you that yet. But he's coming on Gardner-Webb. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you after that game. Um, here's sure. my question. Uh, a lot of new new parts. We talked a lot about it preseason with the new coach, new uh, left tackle, new right tackle. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of new left guard, I believe. Um, I, it's it's kind of moving all over the place. I can't really keep up. I know we have the same right guard. That's about all I know. Uh, tell me about the com the chemistry, camaraderie, communication on the field. Uh, how are you guys getting along after three weeks in terms of just being – because you've talked to us a lot about that. You say, you know, the offensive line is only as good as our weakest link and all five of us have to be on the same page, and that comes with time and chemistry and, and meshing together. Are you, are you doing that well after three games? I think we're doing as best as we could for having a totally no, new group with a new coach. Um, you practice in spring ball and fall camp and work out over the summer – and you have an idea of what the guys are going to be like and, you know, how you're practicing and chemistry. And it's easy to get along when things are going great. But in every single game, we've been down by a touchdown at least. And those guys are the exact same guys that they were when times were great. So um, just reassuring 
the type of guys that we have and the chemistry is consistently building. Um, some of these guys have only played three games next year now. So just continually talking, communicating, um, seeing different looks and seeing how we play them as a group. So it'll just continue to get better as we play more with each other and uh, mix in new guys. So I think as far as the new group, we face adversity um, very well. And that's all you can ask for of a new group. Hey, Chad, let me jump on that real quick, too. Yeah, just going to ask you, Brennan, on that point, when you guys have got so many different players coming in with different experiences, what have you guys learned from each other? I'm sure you've gleaned some wisdom off each other, different schools and techniques and things like that. Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, I think all three guys, well, four, three of the four guys that came in have played with NFL caliber offensive linemen on their on their line. Um, they've all had guys drafted. They have friends that they text all the time that are in the league. So as far as mentality and technique, and they all have different stuff that they bring. So, you know, just finding different stuff that works and um, just the mentality to win. Those guys know how to win. And the biggest thing is they know what it takes to work during practice. They've seen guys that got drafted in the first round on playing right next to them. So they know what it takes every single day to, you know, bring that work ethic to practice. And, um, and they've brought that. So, I think the mentality at practice and just simply how to go about your business, it's an older veteran presence. So they've done a great job, you know, applying the right things to our group to help us grow. Awesome. Appreciate your time, man. I know you got a, a 8.50 bedtime. We're letting you out two minutes early. Got time to go brush your teeth and uh, take your vitamins and get in bed. And uh, we'll see you this Saturday, man. Uh, con- good, congrats on a, Good performance. There are no moral victories, but looking forward to a good good game this weekend. Uh, we're proud of what you're doing out there. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you're pros pro at this, and uh, you know appreciate appreciate it. All right, thank you guys very much. Have a good night. Yep, you good too. Good to be. All right, Jason. I have a quick question. We have a second here before Kyle DeArmond joins us. I have a, I have a quick question for you. Um, with with the housing market in Lynchburg specifically uh, here, here in Roanoke, it's kind of, I wouldn't say leveled off, um, but it has, it's kind of leveled off a little bit. Does the rental, so, so rental prices and purchase prices, are they directly aligned with each other? Or is if one goes up, the other goes down type of thing. Uh, Talk, talk to me about rent rental properties versus uh, purchase prices and houses that are for retail. Um, and I guess I'm just talking, um, oh, what's the word? Residential. Um, Residential, yeah, sure. Re- re- rental versus purchase properties. Are they directly related or indirectly indirectly related? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, uh, Econ 101 is always uh, best displayed in the housing market. And what we are what we are seeing, to your point, Chad, definitely a few more days on market now. Uh, things that are, houses that are priced well are uh, are still moving. Um, but with interest rates creeping up, and I think they may have just jumped again a little bit this week, uh, that obviously puts some people back on the sideline that aren't able to buy and may, may not have uh, the amount of money to qualify for, for a house. So that puts them back in the rental market again. So there is a correlation between it. Uh, they, one does lag with the other a little bit. As far as trying to time it, I think that's one of the things that I, I spend a lot of time talking to people about. Man, it's tough to time the market, you know, because we never know what's coming, especially with the, with the ups and downs right now. So, uh, you know, the old mantra is the best time to jump into 
into real estate as yesterday um, is kind of always always true. But we are beginning to see that more days on market. Uh, so I do think some deals are potentially coming. Don't know that sale prices are necessarily dropping anytime real quick, uh, but uh, there may be some more inventory as that starts to stack up. So maybe instead of two prices at 200 or two houses at 250,000, maybe there'll be four or five uh, houses at, at that price point. So um, hang in there, hold on those, those people who are looking and um, again, love to help you love to be a resource to anybody out there listening. Man, you're on with this. I tried to put you on the spot there for a minute. Uh, you're spot on with that. Uh, before, you know, before we get to Kyle here, just wanted to say, uh, Jason, thank you so much for your partnership with the Sea of Red, with Flames Athletics. I see your face all over campus. Uh, it's really cool, man, and you're doing a great job. I've talked to a couple of people who have who have uh, worked with you and your and all your contact information's down there. Um, you know, for me personally, me personally, we almost got into the rental uh, game up there in Lynchburg because, you know, first of all, Liberty students are great. Uh, oh shoot, what's the word? Tenants. Uh, Tenants. Yeah. Liberty students are great tenants. Uh, the the housing market there, the rental properties there uh, do better than just about any other city in America. Um, and and, you know, it's just a great thing to be in. And we almost pulled the trigger this last spring and uh, we're going to wait on a few other things, but I'll definitely get into it. Here, here's the other thing uh, real quick. And I know Kyle's waiting on the line here, but do you see a lot of people who buy and rent out properties when their kids are in college just so that their kids can live there and then they end up keeping it as a rental property? Is that like a pretty common occurrence? Because that's my plan. Yep. I, and guys, I promised out there in the interwebs we did not set this one up. But, dude, you just teed me up perfect on that one. I, I just had three, de three deals this summer that were exactly that. It was parents whose kids are coming to LU. Um, take that one step further because this is really cool. Um, two of those three parents are allowing their, their, their son or daughter, who's the student, to be in that house and find the roommates, teach them the business of real estate, allow them to be kind of the landlord, the on-site property manager, if you will, watch how the books work and those whole kind of things. So literally on the job training, training for the student. I love that example. I think that's so cool. Great investment opportunity. And to your point, Chad, uh, the year-over-year -year appreciation in Lynchburg is so good. In 2008, when the national market dropped about 8%, uh, Lynchburg in general dropped 3%. So we're very insulated, thankfully. A lot of that has to do with the in and out of, of the job market and that kind of thing. But yeah, the Liberty Parent Group is a, is a huge group that I help with quite a bit and uh, love doing it because I speak LU as well as real estate. Yeah, you're the man. I don't know if I would trust my my sons. I mean, they're they're six four and six four and two. I cannot imagine putting them in a house and saying, "Hey, go get your buddies and y'all live in a house together." I'm um, I'm gonna try a different route, but we'll have a few years to work that out. All right. Without further ado, let's bring in our main man here, Kyle Diarman. Looks like he's coming to us live from uh, Bentley uh, yep. Range Rover. What I don't know what we got there, but it looks pretty sweet. It's the uh, it's the Range it's the Range Rover tonight. The Ranger over tonight. All right, Tuesday night men's softball league. You got to get the you got to get the right whip. All right, here. Let me ask you about uh, Wake Forest. First of all, uh, how how often do coaches go for it as a road dog? Uh, how often should you go and do they go for two point conversions in that situation? I mean, I hear analytics, and that's kind of what you were into. Uh, but is that a pretty common occurrence or did, did freeze ba basically take a big uh, leap of faith and some courage there talk, talk, talk that decision. Is that pre-made? Is that kind of pretty an easy one or what, what is it kind of like touch and go there? Well, I mean, he, you know, 
I would say that for sure, I think he made the right call in going for two. I think there was nobody who was like, you know, what is he doing? I think the people who probably did say that are don't really, I don't, I don't know, understand the game is not, probably not the right way. <clears throat> no, when you're a road dog, um, you know, to a top 25 team, top 20 team, you know, it makes total sense to go for it there in that situation because, you know, it would have been tough in overtime. You know, we, we played Southern Miss in overtime, went to four, you know, with them, and you and you get, you know, the situation where now, because overtimes are so different, you know, you have to go for two, you know, after the second one, and you have to go for the two-point conversion, you know, at, on the second, second overtime. So I think it was definitely the right call. Um, I love the call. You know, I think that it's definitely – I don't think it's something that's predetermined. You know, he said it in his press conference that they talked over the headset of, hey, if we score, we're going to go for two. Um, so determined there, but not predetermined going into the game. Um, you know, that, hey, if we if we you get in a situation here, we're going to go for two. We, You know, that's never really discussed leading up to the game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you probably see that more often uh, now with teams deciding to go for two especially if they're an underdog like we were um, on the road. I mean, I think it was a great call. KD, what's up, man? Good to see you again, bro. Up, it's always uh, Yeah, good to see you. Hey, you've uh, you've been doing a great job on the airwaves too, man. It's uh, it's really good hearing your expertise over the over the year uh, doing the game as well. I've got a I've got a question. We've been um, Chad and I have been kind of bantering back and forth. Maybe you heard us talking about this too, but I do think uh, Coach Freeze is uh, is incredible with with halftime adjustments and some of the things that that the staff sees in general. You've uh, you've been doing this a long time, both as a player, cue the uh, pictures here, and also as a coach, obviously. But um, are we are, are we onto something there? Is that something that he's just really really gifted at as a staff to be able to pull pull those halftime adjustments and having been with him? I know you can speak with great expertise on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's one, the feel that he has in, in game making, making plays, you know, I, I, I never was, I've never been around anybody who's like that, who really gets a feel for the game um, and kind of gets on a roll. And, you know, I was texting with a buddy back and forth during the game and I just, you know, I kind of said to him, you know, there in the second half, I was like, Hey, freeze, freeze on a roll here, just play calling. And you can just see it happen. Um, Halftime adjustments, I mean, they do a really good job. You know, he'll come in and, and talk to the offensive staff about, you know, what they're seeing uh, from the box and, you know, what Coach K, the offensive line, what the offensive line coach likes, um, you know, and try to find something that the players are comfortable with, that they know, that he knows that they can run um, and be successful at. But, yeah, he does a great job. He does a great job leaning on all of his coaches. I mean, there was never a time when somebody said, you know, had a suggestion and, um, you know, he shot it down. You know, he's really, really humble when it comes to just, like, taking suggestions from people, um, you know, listening to what you have to say, you know, kind of taking it in, putting it in his bank, and then, you know, he may call it, he may not. It just depends on the feel for the game, but – yeah, he's he's great at that. I think all of our offensive coaches, uh, Coach Austin, Coach K, Coach Agamoa, Coach Johnson, and then all the support staff guys. I mean, he's got a lot of guys who are who have a lot of experience, and um, you know they did a really really good job making those halftime adjustments. Yeah, <clears throat> that that was kind of kind of my question was uh, about the headsets and just how wild does it get on headsets? 
Uh, I have heard, you know, Michigan State's head coach had a, had a, a wonderful quote this offseason about just how, like, you know, somebody's losing their mind on the headset so nobody else can hear uh, what's going on. What is it like in those headsets? Have you been a part of some crazy headsets where you're like, guys, I can't even think what's going on? Uh, and, and does does freeze? Uh, do they operate currently under a hey, only speak when spoken to, or when you have something good to say, or is there just all kinds of stuff going on in those things? No, I mean everyone has a role. You know, everyone has a role to to play, especially when the offense has the ball. You know, somebody's calling out down the distance and hash. Um, you know, and then really it's quiet so Freeze can can talk to the signalers. I mean, I remember at Baylor in 2017, um, you know, we got down the first possession that we had, you know, got down there into the red zone, and I was the I was signaler, so I'm getting the call from Joe Daly, and next thing I know, you know, the headset goes out. I can't hear anything. I'm pointing to our uh, to our dummy signaler. I'm trying to yell at him, hey, you're live. You got a signal. You got a signal, and you know, so it does become chaotic at points. Um, but I think that, you know, Coach Freeze and his staff, they do a really good job. I can't speak about the defensive side because, I, you know, I wasn't on their side. Uh, you know, that kind of got hectic sometimes. I could kind of hear uh, hear some yelling going on back and forth in the years past uh, through those headsets. But offensively, I mean, those guys do a really good job about, like you said, speak when spoken to, but – tempo and how fast everything's going and i mean you know the play clock starts right away coach freeze gets in his groove and you just let him let go and do his thing yeah i have have just a quick follow-up comment there is i can't imagine that i mean you get on these like zoom calls or even these types of calls where it's like it just three of us here imagine putting 12 of us together in the pressure of a game how like you don't talk over each other you're not talking too much you're just saying just enough that's an amazing skill to have as an offensive staff. And uh, that's cool to hear that they have it going that way. So go ahead, Jason. Jason. Yeah, I've decided I could never drive through just because of that very issue. I, I would mess everybody's order up. Now, big picture wise, what, uh, as you, as you look at this team and teams in the past, how, how do you see this team shaking out and comparing what are the things that you like? Uh, what are some of the areas for improvement? Where do you, what do you kind of think the, um, the, the attitude and the, long-term uh, play these guys is going to be seems like it's pretty strong yeah i mean i tweeted out on saturday and i believe it. i mean i think this defense is probably the best defense that liberty's ever had i mean you look at the depth they have uh in the front seven and then the skill you know the back end guys and the leadership they have in scrugs and uh quentin reese i mean those guys are just phenomenal players so you know defense has done a really really good job and and they've preached turnovers all year long and we've kind of seen that come to fruition um you know, I think that what's cool about them is that Josh Aldridge and Jack Curtis, I mean, they've been around a long time. You know, they're not going to let, you know, some recent success kind of go to these guys' head. You know, I, I, I think as as well as we played against Wake Forest, they're telling them, hey, look at this, look at that. We could have done better. And, and those players and Coach Freeze, you know, he has his finger on the pulse of that team and he knows how to motivate them. Um, and, you know, they're going to come out hungry – against Akron and they're going to, you know, it's, it's one game at a time mentality. And that's what he preaches, you know, day in and day out. And uh, you really see it from the guys. I mean, they don't, it wasn't a, Oh yeah, we played way good, you know, great job. All right. 
you know, it's, it's no, we could have done better. There's things that we have to improve. And that's a cool thing about college football. I mean, you have, you have areas to improve all the time. Um, you know, I think that obviously can't turn the ball over, you know, and, and I know that they're harping on that and he's big on that. Um, so I have no doubt the offense is going to continue to get better. Um, the defense is also going to continue to get better. Special teams too, big special teams play, you know, I mean, all of the players and, and the, the people that freeze has in, in leadership positions, um, you know, Maurice Harris and Ken Austin on offense, Tanner Burns on special teams, and then Jack and Josh on defense. I mean, you know, all those guys do such a great job and, and they do a really, really good job motivating them. So offense is going to continue to get better. You I mean, you think about Caden Salter and, you know, getting the amount of reps that he had prior to Southern Miss, you know, and then, and then going into, you know, the next two weeks was the first time he was getting first team reps. I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot to put on a freshman quarterback who hasn't played since high school. You know, he got some reps last year, but, um, you know, meaningful snaps that he's getting now. I mean, it's just continual, um, you know, continuing to progress and get better. And I think we're just going to continue to see that week in and week out. Help me cut through some of the stuff that's happening. Every single press conference feels like we, we hear about Caden, just how young he is and, and things he's doing. I know that some of that is true, and I know that some of that is Freeze kind of motivating or, or getting that out there. I, I So I just want to hear straight from you. I was going to add the simple question. What do you think of Caden Salter so far and, and what how he's performing at such a young age? What is your take on Caden right now? And I think he has done a great job for getting thrown into the fire. Um, what is being asked of him offensively? Um, I, I think he's done great. I mean, I think that what what they're telling him is, hey, you don't have to press ev- to make a play every single play. Like, we don't have to press. Just let the offense come to you. Let these plays come to you. You know, we talked about it before. Coach Freeze is going to get him into the right play call. Like, there's, there's rarely, if ever, you know, there's, oh, man, that was a bad play call. And when that happens, Coach Freeze tells him that. So it's never like a – Oh, this is all on you. He'll tell him, okay, that was a, you know, that was my fault. That was a bad play call. I shouldn't have called it. That was my fault. So, you know, I think Caden has done a great job. I think that we should be excited for him and continue to, you know, uh, encourage him. And and I think that he's only going to continue to get better with the reps, with the game reps. You know, Coach Austin always calls it this fuzzy logic in a quarterback's head when they have meaningful game snaps and, that is what Caden is continuing to get. I mean, you know, we've had a four-year starter before. His name was, you know, Buckshot Calvert, and uh, he was pretty successful. So, you know, under Freeze's leadership and Coach Austin, um, I mean, I think that Caden's going to continue to improve because he's going to continue to work hard. You know, nothing's ever guaranteed in this sport. Um, nothing's ever guaranteed at that position. And he's just going to continue to work hard because he wants to be great and he wants to get better um so yeah i just think he's done a great job and i think that as long as he just continues to let the game come to him he's gonna do great because freeze is gonna put him in the right position kyle talk just for a second about uh how the how the football schedule has progressed i know you've been you've obviously been here uh for a while now and kind of frog and frying pan it's tough to sort of get retroactive and retrospective. But when you look back, I mean, would you even have imagined a couple of years ago to have Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, BYU, Arkansas on the schedule in the same year? I mean, those are games, one of those is who we used to open with back in the day, right? And now that's 
Now that's just part of the main schedule, and obviously part of the large part of that, of course, is the FBS jump anyway. But just how do you how do you frame all that as you're looking at this now, realizing where you've been and, and uh, how oh, yeah. things have have progressed? They turned my light, light my lights on for me. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, question. I mean, it has been. I mean, it's crazy to see that they. You know, I mean, it's a gauntlet that these guys are going through, and you know, not only are these teams very talented that we're playing. I mean, it's also, I mean, it's physically demanding on our players when, you know, when they're playing these types of teams. I mean, you know, it's tough. I remember years, you know, playing um, West Virginia. I mean, and, and just how, you know, and granted that was the FCS days, so we weren't, you know, we didn't have the type of guys that they have now. But yeah, it's crazy to look back and to, and to look at these, the, our team now and, and really just the, you know, the media presence that Liberty has, you know, week one being on game day as a pick, like it was nothing. Like it was just like, all right, Liberty, Southern Miss, who you got? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to freeze. Yep, we're going to freeze in Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. It wasn't even like, oh, man, it was just, you know, it's it's the Liberty pick. And then next one's Alabama. You know what I mean? Like it's just – it's crazy to see. It's great for the university. It's great for the football program. Liberty's becoming a household name. Um, it's fun, too, you know, being a former player. And people know where Liberty is. I mean, years ago, you know, still it was had had no idea where it even was or what what conference, what division, what division are you guys? You know, it was those questions. Now it's, oh man, you guys, you guys played way good. You should have beat them. And it, and it's not like the, oh man, you guys Wake played terrible and you guys played great. It was, you know, man, you guys look better than Wake Forest did. The defense is serious and the quarterback can play and your receivers. Demario Douglas is a freak. Like, you know. It's just, it's very, very cool to see. Um, and it's fun to be a part of, you know, part of the foundation group that kind of, you know, was able to start with some big South championships and, you know, get the, get the program going. But I mean, what coach freeze and his staff and recruiting department and social media department and our creative team is unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's awesome to see. Yeah. So uh, we will, that that's it. We'll let you go. I, I honestly, be it seeing like people walking in the back and trucks slowly drive by. Like I've been nervous this entire time. Like, please don't let anything happen live or this, at this yeah, time. I'm actually <laughs> worried about that too. I'm parked in a, uh, so, you know, Tuesday night men's league softball is what I live for now. <laughs> yeah. That's really is Tuesday night men's softball and then flames football on Saturday. So, I just got to make it to this weekend. So I think yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look good. There was a little, got sketchy there for a second. And then the last thing I was going to say is uh, if you have any extra large gear and you want to bring it to the game Saturday, I would appreciate that. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we can catch up there. So I, I was seeing those pictures and you had all the sweet gear. I was like, man, I can't buy that stuff. I need, I need Kyle to give me some. So I, know, uh, I have a lot of, I do have a lot of sweet gear in, in some storage and, it's a lot of good winter stuff I have too. So I'll have to see what I can find, find for All you right. guys. We can do a giveaway. All right, man. That was awesome. Uh, you, you, you are a, also you and Brendan are also pros at this and, uh, I could see you, your gear spinning a few times. Uh, you're doing, you're doing great. This is a coaches speak kind of, like retired coaches speak. I don't know. It's kind of a blend of all that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a nice, nice blend you've struck here and uh, we appreciate it, man. Thank you very no, much. Yeah. I, I love it. And I love talking flames football and 
I appreciate what you guys do. So anytime. See you next week. Yep. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. All right, Jason, uh, we are going to bring in John Manson here. Uh, I'm going to send you off for the evening. Thank you so much, man. You're, uh, you've added so much to this. You've added some actual like credibility. You come in here with a collared shirt. Uh, you come in here just like with your hair combed. You've added some like professionalism to this whole thing. Uh, so we were, yeah, yeah, I got I got my dog down here chewing on my anyway. Yeah, thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So appreciate you, man, and uh, we will see you on Saturday. Looking forward to to stopping by and uh, hanging out. And uh, and I know you got a lot going on this Saturday, so we will see you there. Thanks, good buddy. Thanks. Yep. All right. Hit. All right, guys, let me tell you who this is. This is creator, founder of All Things the Sea of Red, and my good friend, John Manson. And uh, you have the best the best intro video slash music of any of the guests that we have regularly. And I want to say that it's only 9, 11 p.m., um, so you have plenty of time um, to to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about tonight, but I have I want to get your thoughts on a few things. First well, before all, before you do, I just wanted to to pipe in for a minute, and I just want to say, Chad, you're crushing with this podcast, man. It's so much fun to to I enjoy just getting on here and listening to to the guests you have on. You've done a great job, and and Nick as well with the production. You guys are you guys are killing it, Jason. You know, shout out to him. I really appreciate him and. Uh, everything he's done to help us see red and, and appreciate that partnership and, and getting Kyle DeArmond on here, man, that that's a home run. Uh, you know, you got a guy that that's played at Liberty, coached at Liberty and coached these players, you know, he was just here last year. So, uh, and coach Caden Salter at quarterback uh, just last year. So, so great to have him on too, but yeah, great job. Keep up the good work. Thanks, man. I, I, he's in kind of a tough spot because, you know, he still talks to all those guys. So he, he's got to give the coaches speak, but he also is a fan. So he, he does a great job at that. That's really hard to do uh, for, for most of you watching. I'm, I'm sure you you know that and, and you think about that, but he's in a tough spot. He says one wrong thing. He's getting the text from all the coaches and say, why'd you say that? Why'd you what'd you put that out there for? Um, but if he's just comes in here and gives coaches speak, then he's not an interesting guest. And we just like, Hey, well, there was a coach who just told us, Hey, we got to win the turnover battle and score more points. Well, thanks coach. We know that. So, you know, he does a great job of balancing all that. John, uh, I want to get your thoughts first of all on two and one, uh, forget wake forest, forget UAB, forget Southern miss, uh, it, look at them as a whole. If I told you we were two and one headed into this five game stretch where we're going to be heavy favorites, uh, would you have loved that? And, and, and is that a good thing? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I thought I said it all along. We've talked about it a couple of times is uh, going into the season is these first three games were huge. They were uh, very important to the season and, and you couldn't come out zero and three or one and two because uh, that just kind of puts you behind the eight ball and, and makes it where, you know, a game against an Akron is a hundred percent must win, which I mean, yeah, it still kind of is in the same ballpark. You don't want to lose a game that you're a 20 plus point underdog or favorite. Right. I mean, we saw that against Louisiana Monroe last year. So yeah, sure. You don't want to lose, but, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of helps. And, and I think we talked about this some last week too, is going to and own those first two games kind of set you up in a good spot going into wake where you were a, you know, 16 to 17 point underdog. And it wasn't, 
you know, the end of the world wasn't like, oh, man, we're 0-2. We have to get a win to keep this thing going. So, yeah, I mean, uh, being 2-1, and one, I think, is a great spot to be in. I'm sure you'd like to be 3-0. and oh. Nobody wants to lose, right? But, yeah, 2-1 and one is a great spot to be in. Uh, I mean, you know, the way things are setting up, we can be bowl eligible before uh, the end of October, which is always a good thing, especially as an independent, to make sure those bowl reps know that, that uh, you know, we've got the necessary wins and go ahead and start talking to Ian and, and let's get this uh, show on the road and before we head into that uh, home stretch there in, in November with very tough games. Yeah, uh, let's talk about each unit. Okay, let's talk about units. I'll, I'll just pick out one on defense, one on offense. Um, I'll go first on this one. I'll talk about defense. Who has impressed and who uh, who do you think ne- needs to step up a little bit? Um, who has impressed on defense, defensive line? I mean, what they did the other night holding them, <clears throat> excuse me, to the rushing. Not just do they get after the quarterback. Those guys in the middle, they swallow up the run. I don't even know what Wake ran for. Uh, you probably know how many yards, John? Like eighteen yards, I believe 18. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pathetic, and it was because every time you know, Kendy Charles or one of those, you know, just saw this big white shirt just swallow up everything, and weren't, they weren't getting pushed around. And and the guys on TV were even saying it. They created a new line of scrimmage every. Every snap, it was like it was pushing Wake's offensive line. That's an experienced offensive line. So defensive line, a lot of hype preseason. They've lived up to it. They're getting to the quarterback. They're making plays. Darrell Johnson was a turnover machine against Southern Mississippi. And then the run defense uh, was a lot on them. Who needs to improve? Uh, It's hard to say on that defense. They're playing really good. But I did see some, I don't know, Pass pass coverages last week at Wake, uh, where I felt like we didn't really play the ball very well. <clears throat> I know that um, I know that uh, Quentin Reese was out of position there or playing not playing his normal position. I saw a few plays there. Um, I'd probably go towards linebackers. Uh, I know I just said DBs, but linebackers making tackles. Um, you know, they're really quick to get there and they're in the right places and they're reading and they're, they're really fast and they're covering really well, but in the run game, maybe they could, uh, make the tackles solo tackles a little bit better. I don't know. It's hard to pick one. Uh, and let me go to offense really quick. Who, who is overperformed, uh, day day hunter. That guy is amazing. He, he, the way he runs, I love it, man. He, he, got like, he, Brendan categorized it earlier as dirty yards and he would get like three yards on the run, and then he would kind of do this flip roll like thing and get two more yards and turn that into a five yard run. And he did that every time. He was getting a lot of uh, a lot of dirty yards. Um, so day day on the offense has has really impressed. Who needs to imp- improve? I don't know. It's it's also uh, a tough one. Um, I'd like to see Snead and Yarborough kind of. Um, dominate and take over with some slants and some of those end zone fade routes that freeze loves to run. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see us win those one-on-one matchups. Uh, you know, we got five games here to kind of work that out, but <clears throat> what is your take on that? Well, Chad, you got to go first. So you get all the easy ones, right? Uh, you know, to me, I was setting you up to just say, yeah, I agree with you. So you don't have to come on here and be negative about the flames at all and and get all the hateful comments. So I just set you up just to agree with me and move on. Well, I do agree with you. You made some great points and you picked out the obvious ones. But, uh, you, you know, one thing and I think you and I text about it Saturday night is 
you know, we had the stats up there. Demario Douglas, I mean, I feel like we take him for granted, and I don't know why. I mean, uh, you know, Demario is such a talented player. I mean, he is so good. And, uh, you know, to do what he did against Wake Forest, I mean, this is a 5'8", 5'9", receiver, and he's going out here against ACC opponents and just – you know, he's the best player on the field, to be honest with you. I mean, he is that good. And and it's even to the point where Coach Freeze and the offensive staff, Coach Harris, wide receivers coach, they don't even want to take him off the field because he's just that good. Um, you know, so so DeMario is, is so good. I love watching him play. And, and he's got two more years of eligibility. I hope he sticks around for those. I know he's getting some NFL uh, you know, whispers in his ear or, or whatnot, but but he's been so good. Um, I, I also want to shout out the offensive line. I, I feel like they got a great push. You know, we were so quick, and, and fans are so quick to to beat up on the O line when they're not doing well or giving up sacks or whatever. Which they had some of those struggles in the first half. Uh, you know, and even you know, pass pro wasn't the best all night long. But uh, I feel like they got a nice push for uh, for Day Day and, and the backs a lot of the night. So so they did well. Um, you know, and you, we talked to Brendan earlier. I, he was out there at left guard some. I think that's the first time he played anywhere other than right guard so far this year. So, uh, you know, he he always does a good job. But, yeah, on defense, uh, I agree with you, the defensive line. I mean, Kendy Charles, what a stud he is, man. I mean, you know, we got two Auburn transfers in there playing a lot of reps too, but but Kendy Char- Charles doesn't miss a beat. Uh, you know, he, he's playing really good. And, um you know, looking at, I agree with you on uh, the receivers. You know, you like to, CJ Yarbrough is coming along. Um, you know, he, he, I think he's kind of battling through knocking off some of that rust that he had from not playing for a year. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing CJ Daniels back on the field. I mean, he's back at practice this week. Hopefully he'll get into the game some this weekend, but that, that's just another threat that the Flames could have. And I'm, I'm hoping he, uh, he's back this Saturday against Akron. All right. So some of these chat questions. Uh, did the Reverend play last? Uh, did Reverend play against uh, Wake Forest? Yes, he did. Um, Day Day and Demario Douglas. Wow. Yes, Kathy. I agree with you, Queen. They were a, a huge tandem. Uh, Mike says that C.J. Daniels will make a huge difference. Uh, John, I was kind of like, is C.J. going to be out all season? And then we started hearing that he could be back halfway through the season. Um, when do you think we'll see CJ and do you think he'll be in the slot or out wide? Yeah, well, he was playing uh, practicing this week. You know, I was out of practice this morning, Tuesday morning, and, and he was out there going through drills, didn't look limited or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, he could play this week. I know, you know, being heavy favorites might be easy to try to, you know, ease him back into things a little bit over these next couple of weeks. But, but yeah, I expect to see him out there soon. Um, and I think, he can play both spots, you know, inside in the slot and then also on the outside. Uh, but but Liberty really needs some depth in the slot uh, behind DeMario. We talked about that already. You know, we're already asking so much out of him. It'd be nice to have somebody like CJ. You know, nothing against JV and Lofton. I mean, he's, he's been fine uh, backing him up. But it'd be nice to have somebody like CJ, a guy that was second on the team last year in receiving to, to step in at, at slot a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I agree. And I see the comment here from LU Grad 11 about – uh, rocket has been flying around at D. 
I agree, man. And that's something Coach Curtis, Jack Curtis, said in the preseason, watch out for him. He's going to explode this year and have a big year. And, uh, man, that interception he had last week, he can't – I mean, how far did he travel when, with the ball in the air? Like 30 to 40 yards? And, you know, it went from looking like that play was wide open, they were about to have a touchdown to turn it into, you know, an interception. So it's a great play by him. And and uh, sometimes he needs to keep his emotions in check a little bit. He's still a young guy, and we saw that when he got uh, called for targeting there in the, the uh, first half. Uh, against Southern Miss first game of the year. And also, I don't know if it was on the TV broadcast, but uh, when Liberty ran out and took the field Saturday night at Wake Forest, you know, the crowd was loud and booing them. And, and Rocket was one of the first guys running over to the crowd and, you know, come up doing one of these things, trying to get the crowd going. And Coach Freeze real quick ran over and, you know, got into his face about, you know, calm down, man. You know, let's get back over here and, and just, you know, treat this like another business day type thing. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, Rocket's been fun to watch as well. Yeah. He, all right. It's giveaway time. We are going to give away. This is the indigo colored. We got dude shirt. It's indigo. It's not the Navy. I have on the Navy so you can see the difference. This is the Navy colored. We got dudes. This is the indigo colored. We got dudes. Uh, so the first one, uh, the first person in chat that can tell me the uh, let's just go with the correct score from the Wake Forest game. The first person to tell me the correct score of the wake forest game in the chat we'll get that free t-shirt we'll get your size and send it to you that's pretty easy what kind I mean, of question I, is this i don't know i just <laughs> just just to get just see who's there and see who's paying attention and uh i'm hoping anyways uh john the other question uh regarding up this upcoming five game stretch um we're going to be a you know double digit favorite in five straight games um, if we handle business, we will be – wait, it's not five straight games. It's only four, right? What's the next stretch of games? So we yeah, would be four. four straight so, games. So we would be six and one headed into BYU. Six and one um, with BYU, would we be able to uh, – you know, is that going to be enough momentum to, one, be ranked anywhere near getting votes – and two, uh, sell out Williams Stadium for BYU? Um, I don't think we'll be receiving votes, to be honest, if we're six and one. Um, but that's a big if. I mean, you know, I know we got Akron this week, but that ODU game, like, I'm not trying to be like you were last year and sit here and say they're going to beat us, but it's not going to be easy. I mean, we've covered. I said they would cover this 27 point spread, not beat well, us, beat us. Well, it's certainly not going to be a 27 point spread this week. And it might be less than a, than a touchdown spread if I had to guess. And, and we'll see how this week plays out. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, ODU is not going to be an easy, it's not going to be a gimme. You know, they, they beat Virginia tech, which I know Virginia tech's down this year. They almost beat Virginia. They should have beat Virginia, honestly. And, and maybe Virginia's down some this year too, as well. So, uh, but but yeah, that won't be an easy game. But yeah, I think six and one. I doubt we'll be getting any any votes uh, to be in the top twenty five. We could be, uh, but I doubt it. And um, you know, yeah, it'll help sell seats, sell tickets, and put people in the seats. You know, I'm I'm expecting BYU at this point in time, BYU and Virginia Tech to both be over twenty thousand and pushing twenty five thousand and possible sellouts in each of those two. Yeah, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Schubert, we will sell out for BYU. And you know what? I th th Isn't there 
All right. Uh, oh, man, I'm going to need somebody to Google this really quick. But there is a school in Virginia um, that is a Mormon-based school. I want to say it's uh, Southern Virginia. Southern, Southern Virginia. That's mm-hmm. right. And they have a huge contingent that will be coming to the BYU game. BYU also travels really well. I would not be surprised if we see more away team fans for BYU than we do for Virginia Tech. Uh, and I know Virginia Tech has a lot of in-state. So, anyways, well, I, don't, a- I don't even know if I mentioned this to you, Chad, but, you know, I saw your tweet about it. Virginia Tech had to give back some of their, their tickets. Liberty gave them or part of the contract. They got 4,000 tickets uh, to the game. And I, I've heard they had to give back as many as 3,000 of those, of those four. Wow. Uh, so that's wow. interesting to see. Mm. Mm-mm. I'm not saying anything. I've already gone there. I've already gotten slapped on Twitter. I'm not saying anything about that, but I just know, uh, well, one, they think that they can get tickets uh, through other means, like through after the Flames Club goes on public. They don't think that Liberty's going to sell it out for our own fans, but to only get a thousand of their 4,000 allotment, 4,000 allotment is a high allotment. So I was kind of, kind of like taking it easy because that is a lot to get for an away game but man if they gave away that gave back gave back that the Hokies are down bad are down bad however nice sellout on Thursday night against West Virginia which is crazy to me yeah uh great point there Matt sounds like BYU sales sales are well ahead of VT from a school allotment standpoint here's here's what I I was thinking today and and sorry all the Hokies out there but listen you've got West Virginia and Virginia Tech playing in Lane Stadium on Thursday night, and both teams are garbage. They're hot garbage. I don't even think either one of them is going to go to a bowl game, and that place is a sellout. Tickets are like three hundred and fifty bucks. It's just because West Virginia and Virginia Tech like can't stand each other. They used to play in the Big East. Now they don't play each other. This is their first game since Bristol. First game at one of their home teams. Home. What I'm saying is, you can get a full season tickets at Liberty plus all of the amenities and tailgates and everything like that for the price of one ticket to watch two garbage teams play each other. I just think it's hilarious. And uh, especially if they aren't um, willing to travel up and watch. All right. I've been rambling here, John. I will, I'm just going to open mic here. And John, is there anything that you want to get to anything you want my opinion on anything you want to just comment here before we get to uh, possibly get to the Liberty line? Well, I mean, we didn't talk much about the Wake Forest game. That was a lot to uh, to take in and digest. What was your thoughts about the uh, the two point conversion call? Uh, did you agree with the call, and and did you agree with the play? And then I'll pipe in after you do. One hundred percent, you go for it, road dog against top twenty team. You go for the win, especially with the overtime rules changing, and you have to start going for two. Um, you you definitely go for the win there. Um, and then as far as the play call, it's the same play call we beat Troy with. The guy on the back line was open. That was sickening to see. Um, you know, do you do you, if Freeze even said it? Do you coach uh, CJ a little bit better on going through the progression? It felt like he panicked a little bit, maybe. But yeah, you roll the dice there, um, and, and you just go for it. And, and no, no hard feelings against CJ. No regrets for Freeze calling going for it and and no regrets on the play call I, I think it's a i think you do that same thing uh next week and you win easily so um 
yeah, I, I have no problems with it all. I actually support it and would want him to do it again. No, I agree. I, I'm in the same boat with you. And, you know, it's funny watching the game down there in Winston-Salem up in the press box. And, you know, there's, I don't know, 20, 30 people up in there watching the game uh, with us. And, and most of them are on, you know, the Virginia or the, Virginia Tech, the Wake Forest side, uh, whether they're, you know, beat writers for them or working for the school or doing stats for them or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's, it's so funny when you go to one of these road games and, and you're sitting in the press box to hear some of the comments they make. Uh, about liberty and things but but yeah i mean there was a guy i was sitting next to who's real nice and uh uh you know he said even before the drive started he said if liberty goes down here and scores they got to go for two i mean you just have to do that and uh you know it actually that thought hadn't entered my mind at that point in time but um but i agreed with him and my only caveat to it was it depends on the clock you know i mean if you go down there and score and there's three minutes left or, or two and a half minutes left and wake's got two or all three timeouts left, you, you might not want to go for two because there's too much time left um, and they can get the field goal. But, but yeah, I mean, it was only a minute 11 left on the clock and, and uh, you know, I was all four frees going for it and I'm fine with the play call. I mean, you know, it, nine times out of 10, that play is probably working. And maybe if they had a few more times to, to practice it and, and work with CJ on it a little bit more. So he, cause you know, he said, he has said that, you know, his first option was to throw back to Caden, right? And, you know, that wasn't open. And in the heat of the moment, you know, knowing the game's on the line, you know, he was – he, you know, I hate to use the word panic, but, yeah, he may have panicked a little bit and just like, well, I just got to try to bully my way into the end zone and, and run it in from three or four yards out. Uh, whereas, you know, Caleb Coleman was just to his left and three or four yards beyond uh, Caden Salter – and uh, Coleman was wide open. Now it would have taken a, a nice pass because you didn't have to kind of fit it in between, you know, uh, you know, there's some defenders below and defenders above. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with the call. I, I'm glad he went for two, and I'm fine with him. Uh, you know, with the play call, it's fine. It, it'll work next time. You know. Yeah, Philly special. Um, so yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Matt has a comment here that we just put up. Uh, stopping the rush 21 yards was, was pretty amazing. Was the highlight for me at wake offensive defense will keep promise, uh, progressing. The team has significant upsides and I was skeptical at the beginning of the year. My biggest question mark, and, and I will end with this, John, my biggest question mark headed into this season was our defensive coordinator. Um, you know, we lost a good one and what I thought was a good one in Simons and he has been. Uh, pretty good. They 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 stopped a. They didn't beat Maryland, but they didn't get throttled by Maryland. Maryland's been putting up points, um, but he's at SMU now. So we lost Simons, and we go to a co-defensive coordinator. We got Jack Curtis coming in. He was a defensive coordinator, and uh, and you got Josh Aldridge, never been a defensive coordinator. He's the line coach. Merging those two together, young and old, uh, older, and then you know different philosophies. They haven't been together. I don't know ever on a staff and then just to be co-defensive coordinators. Um, I was nervous about, I was skeptical about it, but <clears throat> this defense has played amazing and, uh, and they do have a ton of upside. And when your defense is playing well, especially if freeze is calling the plays. Um, one other thing I want to get to, and I say this about every other week, but something Bruce Feldman told me, I text John about this every other week, at least um, something Bruce Feldman told me about, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, he said Malik was a good quarterback, but here's what he said. He said, 
and he, he said this on the podcast. He said, as long as Hugh Freeze is your head coach, you will have elite quarterback play. And he went back all the way to Lambeth, and he listed every quarterback, and he listed every stat that they had. It was incredible. Every quarterback that's ever played for Freeze has had good stats and been and had an elite level of quarterback play. So I wasn't really worried about losing Malik. Like Malik is a unicorn at Liberty, and to be the first uh, rookie starter in the NFL last night was amazing, and he's a great player. But I wasn't really worried about replacing quarterback because we, we have Hugh Freeze. What I was really worried about was replacing this defense. So to see them playing at the level they're playing at, really reassuring. And I think we can win nine games now, maybe ten. Um, you know, which is, at the beginning of the season, the over-under was six and a half in Vegas. And, uh, you know, to be talking about nine is incredible. So that's kind of my take. Love uh, love what the defense is doing. And Freeze will get that quarterback right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying there, too. But, um, you know, I, I didn't have the same reservation or questions about the defense. And, and a lot of that was due to, I believe, in Josh Aldridge, just from, you know, what he's been able to do with that defensive line is just amazing. And, and uh, now he's taking that over to the linebackers and, and uh, you know, he's done a great job recruiting. Uh, yeah, it's different going from, you know, the number two or number three guy, but, you know, now to be the co-pilot, if you will, with, with Coach Curtis uh, is something else. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, um, you know, I didn't have the same reservations. And I agreed, you know, about the quarterback play too, but at the same time we didn't know, uh, you know, who it was going to be. And we also didn't know we would be on Salter by fourth quarter of game one, right? And, and that Brewer would be out six to eight weeks minimum. Uh, you know, so if, it, you know, and there was times, I think I even texted you during the game uh, against Wake Forest and maybe in the first half and where I said, um, you know, sure would be nice to have uh, have Brewer out there right now because, you know, it looked like Salter was maybe out of his element a little bit. But, you know, he obviously, you know, bounced right back real quickly there in the second half. And, and it was fun to see. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm elated with this team right now and really hoping we can get on a nice run here. Have a few games for Salter to get, you know, his feet wet, too, because he's played against three really good defenses and and now – I uh, may have a chance to go up against some not so great defenses uh, and, and to, to really be able to see the field, see the offense, uh, you know, take that next step up here these next couple of weeks. All right, John, we got it. We got to end this segment here. Love talking with you. And, uh, you know, we will we will keep it going. Uh, look, if, if the, the comment that we just got thrown up on the screen, Chad is a pastor saying one more point, I'll quit, I'll promise, and then proceeds to make 15 more points. Look, if that's the case, then we also need to put up my Venmo and let me take up a collection and offering here and 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 try to try to get some money for for my services here tonight. Uh, so no, I can't I can't do that. Uh, put the phone number on the screen. Yeah, put the phone, call and uh, donate to to the calls here tonight. And uh, if if you're feeling some type of way and uh, and and your your flames knowledge has taken a leap. Please just go ahead and call that number below. Uh, that's actually Jason Porter's number. That'd be hilarious if you called him. Anyways, that's enough, John. Before we get ourselves into too much trouble, we've got to avoid trouble. Constantly avoid trouble. Trouble finds us on Twitter as Liberty University sometimes, and uh, avoiding that and navigating that, we don't need to create any of our own. So let's just uh, end that. With, with that being said, 
Uh, Richie Longshots has been terrible picking this year so far. Okay, it's hard to pick against the spread. It, that's why I don't do it. That's why we sub that part out. But uh, you know, he, he he's on a contract. We pay him in yuhus, which is chocolate milks. We pay him in chocolate milks, and he's not been drinking a lot of chocolate milk this season. So I'm hoping that uh, I hope that he gives us some good picks. With that, we're going to close this out. This will be the last segment. Uh, we're not going to come back after this. It'll be the Liberty Line, and then we are done. John, thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch up with you on Saturday. This is Richie Longshots, and you are listening to the Week 4 edition of the Liberty Line. And before I get into everything that happened last week, I just wanted to take this opportunity and shout out all the amazing people that were at Wake Forest. Liberty fans, Wake fans, and everyone else in between. It was such an incredible game and an absolutely incredible atmosphere. All the people I took selfies with, all the people I got to meet face-to-face, it was so awesome and so great to hear that so many of you get a laugh out of this, and it encourages me to keep going, You know, uh, even though I didn't have a good week last week. But we're going to get to more about that later. But thank you to everyone there. It was definitely a special game. Uh, didn't go our way, but still an incredible time. Uh, I'm sure you all saw some pictures, some videos, uh, and I had fun uh, getting to experience that with all of you. So it is what it is. Tough loss. And I had quite a few losses over the last 72 hours. So, I'm going to be honest, I went 1-4 and four over the weekend. The Rutgers pick was bad. They looked terrible. Uh, Wake Forest obviously didn't play as well. We played better than, than Vegas expected. Kansas, though, I might be on to something with Kansas. But it doesn't matter. It was a disaster. 1-4. I don't make excuses, but if I made excuses, I would blame Chad for making me come live on the podcast and not letting me record and do my own thing. It, it, he took me out of my comfort zone, threw me out of my element, but it is what it is. I don't make excuses. Uh, I'm going to make an excuse, though, because I did tell uh, a group of Liberty students at the game, uh, at the Wake Forest game, that if they got caught drinking alcohol, I would cover their fines. That happened before I realized I was going to go one and four, so... Life lesson, kids out there, get it in writing. Tough break. If you get popped, I ain't paying your fines because I went one and four last week. But some free, uh, free more, more free advice. Uh, if you do have to work at the rot, make sure you do it Sunday morning when everyone's at church. Pro tip from a vet. So one and four, disaster. But it's a new week, and I'm not doing this live. So no excuses. And to kick things off, we have our flames minus, right now when I'm recording this, it's 28. I bet this. On Monday morning at 27 and a half, it opened at like 22 and instantly Vegas realized they made a major mistake because everybody and their mother bet on Liberty. I think the line's going to keep moving. I have no reason to believe that Liberty uh, is going to do anything but win this game by 35 points or more. I would play this all the way up to 35 um, because that way you're safe, you know. 42 to 7, you're in a good spot. So I think Liberty just runs away with it. Um, I'm hoping it's not one of those just debacles where 30-point favorites and it ends up being a close game where we outright lose. But no, I think this team's riding high. There's no such thing as a moral victory, but I think this team comes out of last week stronger than ever. Uh, Caden Salter has had a full game under his belt now. It is salt-shaking season, and we are super excited for that. So play on the Liberty game. Flames minus 
I have it at 27 and a half. Some books, it's kind of weird. It was all over the place. I saw some books had it at 26 and a half. Some books had it at 28. So definitely look into that if you are uh, involved with multiple sports books. Find one that's going to work for you. But I'm not just betting one game. Even though I had a bad week, I'm not calling it quits at one. I got four more games ready to roll. And we're going to kick things off with the aforementioned Kansas, who I mentioned last week might be an actual good team. And they are facing off against also undefeated Duke. Yes, Duke and Kansas are undefeated and they're playing in a sport other than basketball. Now, normally, if these teams are, are playing each other, it's in March Madness, it's early in the season, uh, we got Dickie V in the booth, it's a big deal. But it's kind of a big deal now. Now, both teams are undefeated and right now, uh, Kansas is minus seven and a half with the over under at 66 and a half. A lot of points. Now, when I look at this, I look at the fact that Duke has beaten a terrible Temple team at home. They beat Northwestern, who also kind of stinks, and then they beat uh, some directional Texas school, I think, and they only won by 11. Kansas, on the other hand, they're beating good teams. They beat Houston and West Virginia on the road, and they're coming home. Those fans are going to be going absolutely bananas. So Duke, I think, is going to be like, oh my God, oh my goodness, what's going on? Kansas beating good teams. They are home. And they are going to roll. I think they win by 10. So next up, we have Florida against Tennessee. Florida is going to be one of those teams where they are going to be great one week and bad the next. They looked great against Utah. They looked uh, terrible against Kentucky. And it all depends on Anthony Richardson. AR-15 is what his nickname used to be. I'm still going to call him that because it's easier to say. And they are currently getting 11 against Tennessee. Tennessee hasn't beaten Florida in five years. And it's just one of those things where I don't think Tennessee can. And if they do, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, when you have a team that's up and down, could go either way, and they're catching double digits, give me the 11 points every single time. So Florida plus 11 against Tennessee. Next up, we have App State playing JMU. Right now, App State laying eight points against JMU. This game is at App State, which is now a tough place to play. And JMU really hasn't had to play anyone of... Note, they've really kind of joined the FBS and uh, have avoided playing any major schools right now. And now they get to play one of the best group of five schools out there in App State at App State. So I think this is a major come up in class for JMU. This is like when that kid gets called up to uh, from JV to varsity for the first time and they are staring down actual middle linebackers, grown adults that are just going to um, run away with it. Another one, I think the crowd is going to be crazy. It's only going to help App State. Last but not least, South Carolina against Charlotte. The over-under is 65.5. Neither team has a particular, uh, particularly good defense. I think USC is coming off a thrashing against Georgia. They got murdered. So I think they are going to try to score some points. They don't have much of a defense. So Charlotte is also going to be trying to score points. Uh, they're going to be able to score points. So overall, I think it's just going to be a big game for points. It's a late game. All the other games uh, I gave were pretty early. It's going to be a nice late game. And at that point, after just an exhausting day of college football, all you want to do is just sit in front of your television with a Kool-Aid, and just root for points. It makes everything in life so much easier when you just get to root for points. So that concludes week four. Uh, I actually have to record this for my office because I'm not going to get home in time to uh, really sit down and make this happen. But I uh, hope it's enjoyable nonetheless. Hope we can right the ship. If you're fading me, you had a pretty good week last week. Maybe throw some money back to the boy, but I totally get it. Buy a shirt, a sea of red. Great NIL deals going on right now. So if you are finding some winners... 
throw that money, uh, NIL deal, get it to the players, met some dads uh, at the game, and they are just awesome people, and I'm glad we're able to support the Liberty Flames in this way. So have a great week, everyone, and that was the Liberty Line Week 4 edition with Richie Longshots. 